You're listening to You Talk, I Listen, We Do, with attorney Ty Pinkins, 2024 candidate for United States Senate, ready to represent our great state of Mississippi and help bring about positive change for you, your family, and our communities. We're living in a time where all Mississippians can benefit from honest and capable leadership. Regardless of the color of your skin or what's in your bank account, jobs, housing, healthcare, education, and so many other areas can stand some fixing. I'm running for United States Senate in 2024. Along the way, I'll be talking to you every Wednesday at 5 p.m. right here on WMPR about what matters to you. We'll have guests every week discussing issues surrounding jobs in the economy, healthcare, education, and so much more. Tune in weekly so you can talk, I can listen, and we can do. It's good to see you as well. It's good to see you as well. I am uh, so excited about today's show. So looking forward to it. We're going to hop right into it as soon as I get this uh, live stream thing together. There we go. We're good to go. Um, so let's get, let's get right into it. Bethany, like I just said, you're, you're the only woman in this race for to be Mississippi's next commissioner of agriculture and commerce. Has there ever been a, a, a woman commissioner of agriculture and commerce in Mississippi? Actually, yes. Um, um, so Cindy Hot Smith, um, okay. before she you know, went to the Senate, she was actually a commissioner of agriculture and commerce for the state. Okay. Um, Mr. Andy Gibson, our current commissioner, uh, was appointed to replace her when she got that position. Okay. All right. Well, so you're trying, you're, you're trying to send him home. <laughs> well, we just, you know, <clears throat> fundamentally, I do believe that Cannabis is the future of medicine, and mm-hmm. that industrial hemp is the future of sustainability. Mm-hmm. And these are two things that he um, is not a big fan of. Uh-oh. We 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 disagreed. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we 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 gonna get into all of that. We gonna get into all of that. So let's jump right in it because this looks like you're ready to go. <laughs> so let's just let's talk about Mississippi. Mississippi has a rich agricultural history, but the number of farmers has significantly significantly decreased over the years. How how do you think we can encourage more Mississippians to pursue careers in farming and revitalize our agricultural industry here in Mississippi? Yeah, so mm-hmm. agriculture is actually our number one industry mm-hmm. and our number one employer, mm-hmm. but less than 1% of the state are actually farming really? these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to a lot of farmers all over the state the last few months, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've talked about the plights that they, they have to deal with. And it's just very, very difficult with inflation and different things to, to keep the farm going, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, new industries need to be ushered in. You know, like I said, industrial hemp is the future mm-hmm. of the world and sustainability with hemp plastics, textiles, biofuels. Mm-hmm. Um, they expect it to be a $17 billion mm-hmm. industry by 2030. And the only way to grow hemp in, in Mississippi is through USDA. And mm-hmm. it's quite difficult and a long process. What do you think the opportunity to take advantage of the, uh, the hemp industry is one that Mississippi should uh, jump on immediately, especially when you take into consideration that we can grow just about anything mm-hmm. in this state, cotton, corn, beans, greens, tomatoes. You heard the song before. Mm-hmm. We can grow anything in this state. However, what I think um, leaders have failed to do is jump on opportunities to create an industry in our state. And I think when we talk about an industry, we have to really put it into context. When we we say an industry, we're not talking about a company. We're not talking about um, some company coming in and starting one one brick and mortar building. We're talking about an industry in which other states 
and other organizations can depend on Mississippi. And so talk about that for us, if just making sure that Mississippi actually takes advantage of this, of this as opposed to how it's happened in the past where our leaders have been reluctant to invest at the right time and then it's too late later on. Exactly. And that's that's my biggest fear with the industrial hemp movement um, that's approaching is that we're, we're just not going to get there in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mississippi often, you know, you hear, well, we're last in this and last in this mm-hmm. and last in this. We have a chance to go from from worst to first, Hello? especially in this industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the problem that we're having with plastics and different things throughout the world, it's a chance for Mississippi to step up, mm-hmm. implement some programs, regulations and put these in place and be an example to the rest of the world. Yeah. We have the whole world looking at us saying Mississippi's doing it right. That's how you do it. That's see, how you take care of your citizens. And see, I like how you say that because me personally, I think Mississippi's ready to lead. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think our country, I mean our state, I think our state is on the precipice. It's we're right there at that crossroads where we've progressed. We still have issues, mm-hmm. just like other states have issues. But I think we're ready to go across that threshold and lead. And and and, and some people get upset when I say this. And I really, really believe it. I believe that women, women have saved this state from itself for so long. Women have saved our country from itself for so long. When you talk about voting rights, when you talk about so many issues, women have saved our saved our state. I think women are going to be the ones to yank us across that finish line and say, here's the here's a new Mississippi. Women are going to be the ones that push us and shove us across that across that threshold. And so that's why I'm so excited. If if the audience could see me right now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I, I want you to talk a little bit about how it feels to be a woman, a woman leader, because we're going to talk about some of, some of the stuff that you've done in the past. But in this race, how does it feel to be a woman leading the charge, and, and try, especially with regard to him? It's exciting. I mean, I have a daughter. Yeah. You know, I'm building the world I want her to live in, my grandchildren. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's scary to live your life in, pub- <laughs> in the public limelight. Um, but mm. in Mississippi, it's been it's been amazing. Yeah. Actually, the, the fact that you brought that up, I kind of want to point out something. I was in an event over the weekend, uh, and I had a gentleman say, well, you're still just a woman. <sighs> I was like, well, just? You know, <laughs> um, I've done amazing things in this state, and just yeah. watch me. I'm going to do more. Yeah. Um, you have to believe in a better tomorrow with every fiber of your being. And yeah. um, as a woman, you know, I'm a mother. Yeah. I homeschool my daughter. Uh-huh. Um, my daughter was reading on a, an adult level by the time she was two. Yeah. So I'm very passionate about education and empowerment. Yeah. Last year, her entire education focused on growing her own food, mm. maintaining her own home, keeping and running a home. Um, so it's just mis- women have a great opportunity to be able to, you know, carp compartmentalize so many different things yeah. and focus on so many different topics all at once because we're we you know we're, we're getting the kids ready for school while we're making breakfast while we're paying the bills it's I, exciting I joke, I joke with my wife at home sometimes because she can talk with all of her friends at the same time and, and she can talk with five friends at the same time five women friends at the same time and each one of them are talking about something different and I'm like what in the world you give me point b and I'll tell you how to get there quickest but don't give me A, B, C, D, and E and think I can jump. No. Uh-uh. So that's what I <laughs> No, I totally feel that. Um, my husband, Lee, looks at me all the time like, wow, how do you, how are you doing all of this at once? And we just have this passion for life and this excitement. Yeah. And I've, I'm inspired by lots of great women, actually. Um, I was just down at the coast. Um, and I have a great group of women there that I do a lot of things yeah. with and um, people that inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very, very lucky. And there's a lot of great women that have come before yeah. and led the way for me. So I'm just following in a very great footsteps, actually. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now let's let's now see you sidetrack me there. 
so let's let's get back on topic. So medical cannabis, you know, has become a profitable industry, creating jobs and providing safe access to, to patients. However, the Mississippi Department of Agriculture opted out of the medical cannabis program. Can you talk about how you will advocate for the inclusion of our farmers in this emerging industry and, and ensure their long-term success? Yeah, so um, as a lot of people know that I was actually one of the big cannabis advocates that um, led the We Are the 74 movement that mm -hmm. actually changed the political landscape of Mississippi. So talk, tell us, what, what is the We Are the 74 movement? Um, so 74% of the voters who voted for a medical cannabis program supported ballot initiative 65. Okay. Now, I was actually part of the group Medical Marijuana 2020 who actually um, got out there and got, you know, signatures mm -hmm. and, and we did videos and educationals about the ballot initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we won with overwhelming success, uh, you know, almost a million votes for a medical yeah. cannabis program. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just an amazing opportunity um, to get involved. And I was very proud of that. Yeah. But a few months later, as you all know, we lost the ballot initiative process yeah. and our medical cannabis program. Mm -hmm. And a group of us um, actually got together and formed the We Are the 74 group. And um, we we went out to Jackson. We did 300 people marched on the Capitol on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I actually spent a week out in front of Tate's house. <laughs> well, that's important. It's, it, that, that is important because medic, m m medical cannabis could help so many people. It's not, not just from an economic perspective from the state, but from a health perspective. I'm a vet. And I have a lot of veteran friends who could benefit from having access to medical cannabis in the state of Mississippi. You know, you have friends in some states, they have to travel to a different state mm -hmm. to actually get access to it. So it doesn't make sense to me if we have a resource that could actually help everyday people and then help our veterans, that we wouldn't actually take advantage of it. So I commend you on, 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 uh, on leading that charge and please don't stop. Well, I was a cannabis refugee. I was one of those people. Really? Mm -hmm. So in my early 20s, I was attending school at Ole Miss, uh -huh. and um, I got really sick, and I couldn't figure out why. I was dying. Yeah. Um, every one of my systems was just shutting down, and mm. they couldn't find a common That's cause. That's scary. It was, absolutely. Um, and I was on nine prescriptions when I stopped taking all of them and started using cannabis, and within a year, I was healthier. But within two years, I was healthier than I'd ever been. Really? Ever. And so when I moved out to Portland, I had $500 to my name left. <laughs> uh, I got two jobs. And, you know, when all this was going on, they wanted to do a full hysterectomy because yeah. I have endometriosis, polycystic ovarian, adenomyosis, fibromyalgia is a big one that I deal with, neuropathy. I'm in constant pain, right. chronic seizures, you know, all this stuff going on. Um, and a year after moving out west, I was pregnant. They wanted to put me on chemo because 40% of my body was covered in psoriasis. And I mm -hmm. said no to all of these procedures. I said, no, there's got to be an answer out there. Mm -hmm. Your whole body just doesn't freak out, you know, and die. Something's mm -hmm. got to be causing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, a year after moving out west, I was pregnant. And she's, you know, she's nine and she's yeah. my miracle. <laughs> and um, when I moved back, my mother-in-law went on hospice and we had to move back quickly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to leave. After she mm -hmm. passed, I knew, like, I don't want to leave my state. Right. And at one point, we, you know, we got together and had Thanksgivings and stuff together. There were 30 of us from Northeast Mississippi living out there. Yeah. I was one of those people that left the state for better opportunities and, yeah. and medicine. Mm -hmm. I left to save my life. Mm -hmm. Pharmaceuticals aren't an option for me. I'm allergic to opioids. Yeah, and, and when we talk about the brain drain issue that's taking place in our state where we have uh, young people leaving, having access to quality medical care mm -hmm. is one of the reasons. Oh, you know, absolutely. you take a, take a look at Medicaid expansion or the lack of Medicaid expansion in our state when we have 41 other states, 40 other states that have decided to do that. Same thing with having access to medical cannabis. You know, when you, you said you had so many issues 
so many women issues that needed to be taken care of. And once you got access to that resource, voila. <laughs> you know, and for me, it doesn't make any sense. If you have people leaving the state because of our economic viability or our economic competitiveness with other states or lack of competitiveness, and we have people leaving the state because they feel like, you know what, I can't raise my children or my family safely because they don't have access to quality health care, particularly uh, medical cannabis, then something different has to be done. And I think that different thing is that we need leaders in, in a position to make those decisions for us because the ones that are making it now are, I think, some of them are pointing us in the wrong direction. And, and it's unfortunate, you know, but that's what's so great about, you know, politics yeah. is that people that, you know, I have a 50,000 square foot view on um, the cannabis industry in general, industrial hemp, because I'm in the industry. Yeah. I've devoted my life because cannabis saved my life. Mm. I owe it to God's plant to give my yeah. life to that and to and to, pre and to preach on that and why yeah. it's so important. Um, so I think, you know, the more we have people that are brave enough to run for office, which it's intimidating. There are politics and then there are Mississippi politics. Yeah. We're in a different game. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I, I listen. Oh, man, I know what you're talking about. But you know what? That's the that's the, the beautiful thing about our democracy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's rough. You know, and we 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 when we run for office, it's a tough, tough, tough interview process. That sometimes is nine months, a year, a year and a half. In my case, two years. But the beautiful thing about our democracy, which which I love about it, is people like you, women like yourself, get an opportunity to get in the game, to get in the fight. Because as a vet, I've been to countries. Um, in the military, where women they don't have these opportunities, mm -hmm. and at some at one point in our history, to be honest, women didn't have that opportunity right here. Exactly. You know, fascinating. You know, where where you live in this country, you pay taxes in this country, but there was a point in time where you couldn't vote, and you better not even think about running for office. Mm -hmm. But now we're at a day where I can sit sit across from you and say, "Hey, we need you to make sure this cannabis thing gets done, mm -hmm. so we can get some weed in Mississippi." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm sorry. Y'all didn't hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're tuned in. You talk, I listen, we do. My name is Ty Pinkins, and I am running for the United States Senate in 2024. Please go to www.typinkins.com to support my campaign by donating and volunteering. You can call in. Today, we have Bethany Hill, who's running for Commissioner of Agriculture and, Com so Agriculture and Commerce in the, um, in the booth today. The number is 601-948-5950. 601-948-5950. Five zero. Now, the industrial hemp market is expected to reach seventeen billion. Seventeen billion with a B <laughs> by twenty thirty. Your belief is that the industrial hemp, that industrial hemp, is the future of sustainability. If elected, what steps can you take to support Mississippi farmers in, in accessing this lucrative market? So first, um, the Hemp Cultivation Act passed in twenty twenty. Okay, it sits unfunded. Mm -hmm. We're not using it. Really? Right now to grow hemp in, in Mississippi, you have to go through the USDA. Yeah. And I just think that's un unfortunate. You have two of the biggest cash crops of the century just uh, really merging. you got 38 states with a cannabis program, some adult use, some medical, but 38 states in the union. Yeah. And our Department of Agriculture is not involved in hemp nor cannabis. Yeah. It's not overseeing this crop that is being used by medicine. It's not advocating for those farmers. And I just think that is just so devastating that our farmers don't have somebody they can depend on. So tell me, that, that's a good segue into um, my next question. Why do you think the MDAC should be uh, involved in the medical cannabis industrial hemp uh, 
industry. These are cash crops. <laughs> lucrative cash crops. Yeah. Um, and of course, we all know it in, in Mississippi has a tradition of agriculture. We are an agricultural state. And the two biggest projected cash crops of this century, we're not even jumping on those trains. Mm -hmm. That is, that's another way that we are going to be held back to find ourselves in last place mm -hmm. yet again. Yeah. Well, I think and a lot of people on the campaign, I'm running for office as well as you are, and I hear a lot of people on the campaign trail, and they're telling me that they're tired of our state always being the last state to do the right thing. When it comes, like I mentioned earlier, when it comes to Medicaid expansion, we're last to do the right thing. Doesn't make sense. Especially when, and, and, and the argument can't be from opponents of Medicaid expansion, the argument can't be that it's not beneficial for our state. We see Republican states all around us doing it. They're doing it for a reason. They're doing it because they're benefiting from it. And we're while well, we're losing over a billion dollars every year, since the opportunity to expand something like Medicaid um, arose, Mississippi has lost over $12 billion. That's $12 billion with a B. We're losing a billion dollars a year by not, by not expanding it. So making sure that we have people in positions to make those decisions is extremely, extremely important. So Let's talk a little bit more about uh, specialty crops, since you just brought it up, which offer lucrative agricultural jobs. In fact, Mississippi has a tradition of cash crop cultivation. You're talking about corn. You're talking about cotton, um, soybeans. You name it, we'll grow it. And how can you support young farmers in adopting advanced micro-cultivation techniques and modern technology to enhance the profitability of specialty crops in our state? So there's so many... Mississippi has been a leading in innovation right. for a century. Pine Saw was invented to Jackson. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have a history of innovation in this state. Uh -huh. So given opportunities, I know the leaders of tomorrow are here. Yeah. I have no doubt in my mind mm -hmm. that the people that are going to lead this country, this world to the next level are in this state. Yeah. So we do that by giving accessible, affordable mm -hmm. education. We have to create pathways that give these people success. Mm -hmm. I can't afford a farm. Okay, well, let's work to generate a program that will help you get into that. Do you want to grow oyster mushrooms? Yeah. Oyster mushrooms clean the soil and you can still eat them. Yeah. So we're still producing food, um, but you have to create pathways and get people excited. Yeah. You know, when, when it came to medical cannabis, I was enthusiastic. Yeah. I was proud to go in there and say, I have a, I'm not supposed to be here, right? Yeah. I'm not supposed to be here in this day and age. Mm -hmm. I have a, a thriving urge in life to just do as many good things as I possibly can. And I get excited about it. And if we can get those next generations excited mm -hmm. about their opportunities and what they can do for their lives to grow their own food, to learn how to preserve it, mm -hmm. and to build a business that their family can go on and, and break generational curses and bring generational wealth. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our responsibility as the leaders of today. Yeah. But you know what? The reason I like this show is because we have such an engaging audience yeah. online and on the phone. So if you, if you, you want to ask... Bethany Hill, who's uh, the candidate for Mississippi uh, uh, Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce, you can call us at 6019485950. Somebody just made a, a comment, and I think they want you to kind of um, uh, uh, comment on it. They said 1% of Mississippians farm, yet 17% of the workforce is agricultural related. And I think that's, that's fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating that only 1% of Mississippians farm and 17% of the workforce is agriculture related. There's opportunity there. Oh, absolutely. And I love the next thing she said, because I actually say this quite a bit, uh -huh. a rising tide lifts off oats. Thank you for that, Stephanie. Go ahead. I love it. Um, and Stephanie knows I'm, I'm so excited about this. One thing that I did with the cannabis movement 
is I believe in a round table experience. Uh -huh. I believe that if I'm the smartest person in the room, then I need to leave that room. There I need go. to be learning from leaders. And all great leaders should first be students. Mm -hmm. I have no shame in humble, and, and I'm very humble to say, I cannot wait to learn about everything I can possibly learn, mm -hmm. but I want to learn it with you. Yeah. I want you to come with me. Let's grow together. Um, I have a great knowledge of cannabis and hemp, and I want to learn about all that, and I'm willing to teach you about what I know, and you teach me what you know, and let's build something better together. I can see the passion on your face. I guess I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. But you're, you're absolutely right. Great leaders understand that, you know what, it's not the most important thing is not that that leader is the, is the smartest person in the room. Actually, the most beneficial thing is when you have smarter people around you. And, that's, and I think that's exactly what you're explaining. Absolutely. And uh, tell, talk to me about uh, what another one of our um, uh, uh, social media viewers just said. He said small family farms and backyard gardens need to be recognized for their contribution to our economy. Absolutely. Community based economics. That's what I grew up with. Right. Uh -huh. If we had, you know, a surplus of beans, like, oh, wow, our beans did great. And, you know, Miss Johnson's our countries did great. Yeah. They were swapping, trading, bartering. You know, your neighbor worried about whether you had food on your table and you worried about it, they did too. Well, explain to me this, Riddle, because it's, I've been, this has perplexed me for so long, right? We have um, some of the most fertile farmland in this country. I don't, I'll put Mississippi soil up against any, any state soil in this country, and I guarantee you we'll come out on top. Now, but we also have some of the most food insecure places in this country. Look at the Delta you know, poverty stricken. And I'm from the Delta. As people are telling you, I, I believe Mississippi Delta, I love it. But it it is a poverty stricken place. I grew up in poverty. Um, how is it that we can grow anything in the Mississippi Delta, yet we don't see things like uh, uh, fresh food markets every weekend in different counties where local mom and top pop uh, pops are back, backyard farmers are actually benefiting from that. I don't understand it. Well, I think a lot of what's been going on in Mississippi um, is it's really difficult. Inflation, COVID, these yeah. things are really hitting our small areas. I mean, I'm from a small mm -hmm. town. Businesses closed left and right through COVID. Mm -hmm. It was very, very difficult. And that affected farmers as well. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm excited about the Delta, too. i got big plans. <laughs> i got big plans. Um, and well, you got some big plans because you're going to be in the Delta with me on Saturday. Um, I, think, I hope you come to the Delta on Saturday. I'm, I'm, I think they already had me booked over in Columbus oh, and Nettleton yeah. Farmers Market, Columbus, and then yeah. I have a meet and greet in West Point. So I'm well, trying to get to all of them. I'm going to get you down there someday. I'm going to get you to the Delta. I, I can't wait. I've got really big plans. I think the Delta is um, definitely has the opportunity to be the Silicon Valley of industrial hemp and to really cure a worldwide crisis. And I think it starts in, in there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do a lot with workforce development in the cannabis industry. I do a panel on it every year at Cannabis Festival. Mm. And um, I know that we can, you know, invite these manufacturing markets, you know, in mm -hmm. Mississippi, generating textiles with hemp, clothing, you know, um, hemp plastics are really hot. You've heard me talk about it. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Uh, but of course, biofuels, there's lots of different opportunities um, for us to really utilize this product. And when Mississippi says, you know, we're going to do this, yeah. we're going to grow it over here, we're going to build it over here, you're going to give people throughout the state of Mississippi great jobs, give farmers over in Delta a chance to get their farms back and grow. Uh, it's just going to be a great day. And while we do all of that, we're curing a worldwide trash charges. And you're revitalizing communities, these low-income communities that at one point, 10, 20 years ago were vibrant. Look at Hollandale, Mississippi, and Cary, Mississippi, and Rollingport, Mississippi. At one point in time, a couple of decades ago, 
they had movie theaters, they had uh, businesses and shops open all down the street. Now you see shuttered buildings. This is something that can create an industry that brings jobs to those to those communities. But let's go back to uh, to food. Food waste is a significant issue across our country. We throw away so much food. Not me, because I'm great. <laughs> When I cook at home, if we don't eat it all, I'm putting in some leftovers because sometimes food tastes good. It tastes better after it's leftover when you warm it up the next day. My mom makes a, a spaghetti and ground beef. I'm a vegetarian, but before I became a vegetarian, oh my goodness. It, it was good the night that she made it, but the next day and the day after that, when you warm it back up, I'm like, what did she do different? Nothing. She just put it in the refrigerator. But I mean, it sits and it melts together. Yeah. I, love, see, I, love to cook. I was riding around grandmother from the gardens to the kitchen. Yeah. I was riding around grandmother my whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, there's so many things you can do with leftovers. So, yes, 40% of all the food produced in the United States actually ends up in a landfill. Yeah. Uh, and that's a tragedy when in Mississippi, 19% of the population is actually facing food insecurity. Exactly. We witnessed this during COVID 19. Like, what are we going to do now? And we walked into big box stores and the shelves were empty. Mm -hmm. What do we do now? Yeah. Well, you know, that's something we need to fix before the next worldwide pandemic. Exactly. It, it's very possible that that could happen again. And we need to be more prepared. My grandparents always had multiple gardens growing and we preserved that food. It's not just growing it. You've got to learn how to preserve it. Yeah. I made lo mein one time with rehydrated elk jerky. Really? And it was fantastic. Yeah. Because I lived 30 minutes one way from town when I was a kid. You had to be creative. And mm -hmm. that was something that was instilled in me. But I never get intimidated. I'm like, what ingredients are about what can I be creative with? And that's well, the excitement. The and you know what? That's that's one of the reasons that I, I value and I appreciate growing up in the country. Mm -hmm. um, I, we, I, I grew up in the middle of Cyclone and Dirt Road. But one of the good things that I got out of it is my family, uh, we grew out vegetables and we hunted out meat. I, honestly, I didn't know what a grocery store was. And don't laugh. See, you're already laughing. You can't laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what a grocery store was until I was about 11 years old. I thought, what is this? We, I'm going to go out in the garden and get it. My grandmother, my grandmother grew it and we ate it. My grandfather hunted it and we ate that. And that's one of the things that I, I, I cherish most that I can go do that. And when you have, when you have a situation like the pandemic come up and grocery store, grocery store shelves are empty and people are trying to figure out what am I going to do to eat. I, I go down to Shark County, County where all of my cousins, cousins are at, and say, "You know, let's get a four wheeler, and let's get a, let's get the rifle, and let's go get us, let's go get us a deer." You know what? I, I, I uh, just can't see tomato. I don't live in Pittsburgh now, so I don't live in Pittsburgh. But I live in an area that's, I guess, area that's, I guess it, you wouldn't consider, consider it the country, but I've missed gardening so much that I'm planting tomatoes in big baskets on my back patio. I've got four different tomato plants back there. Me and my little, my niece, four. We planted some tomatoes together. And they're just blossoming. I can't wait for them to pop out. This is my first time. Since I've been about 20 years. 
because um, before, before I went off the military, military, my grandmother, she used to do it. She passed away while I was in the military since I've been back. But you know what? I'm going to play me some music. And uh, I did. And it's a great place to start. Yeah. And there's something crazy that you can do and have now with the entire world's knowledge. Yeah. And you can, oh, I have this master's. You know, that's not going to be good if I just try it. There you go. It was so good. I'm coming over. It's my favorite thing to do. You're all good. Now, look, Mississippi. Uh, experience the decrease in population as residents saw better opportunities elsewhere. How do you plan to create more opportunities within the state to attract our citizens back home and foster a thriving community for families to unite in agriculture and farming? Yeah, so actually, since the legalization of cannabis, have a few people that are concerned with it that we used to all get together and have maybe Southern traditions out west. I have a bunch more to move back home. So, again, creating pathways, medical cannabis is a perfect example, creating pathways to success. Education, accessible, affordable education, partnering with the universities, getting with them to say, hey, what do the younger generations need? From the ag commissioner, not wanting to tell them what you want to do, saying what needs to happen and what can I do for you, and not you know so much of a selfish. I just want to do this. We got to open our ears and listen to people and hear what they need. And I think that's really important. I have 25 years in customer service. My my jobs have always been to listen to problems, find solutions, make people happy. Yeah. I wonder how do we uh, incorporate our local universities and colleges? Because I think Mississippi, uh, I guess. Has, has a, a, a ton, ton of community, of community college. college. We have, we have uh, Jackson State, Arkansas State, Arkansas State, Arkansas State, 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 Mississippi Valley State, Tuvalu. Uh, we, we have several HBCUs in, in addition to the city, city state, state and Ole Miss. How do we incorporate our universities into this plan? There are great advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big roles, of course, of the commissioner is, is to promote Mississippi products throughout the state and the world. And knowing that, um, looking at the global marketplace, saying, look, yeah, and the textiles and plastics, well, that's going to be our big thing. They're already saying $17 billion industry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to create ways for you guys to get involved in those aspects that we haven't had that opportunity before to bring you something, something new, new, something creative, and something that's going to last the test of time. You know what I was just thinking about just now? When I was in high school, I was in an organization called Farmers of America. Absolutely awesome. I was an officer in it. I did that one or two years. What do you think about that? Is it still really in our schools? Is that still available to our children? It is, yeah. And honestly, what it comes down to is just need to have information. You know, saying, hey, have you joined this? Because here's the thing, let's just be really real. Regardless of your age, your race, your political affiliation, your gender, your sexual orientation, if you do not have clean water and food, you're going to die. If that ain't giving you the information, it's not going to be Because it's one thing that brings us together. It's one thing that says, you know what? Yes, you're absolutely right. I need to worry about the baby Mississippi and food on the table. Jackson's a perfect example. The, the worst thing that's going on in Jackson, and we've seen this over the last year, is water, water prices. Right. So you have one, one out of five people in Jackson worried about food security, and you got five out of five worried about if they're going to have clean water. Yeah. It's 2023. Yeah. That should not be happening. And, and you know, that's kind of how I ended up running an office. I ended up having more questions that could be answered. That's what I was going to ask you, because I didn't ask you earlier. So why what prompted you to run for this position? Um, of course, every time I have an opportunity, um, you know, down in Jackson to speak to any elected official about medical cannabis, because of my back, my background in recycling and composting, I know the importance of manufacturing biodegradable products. 
I helped open a coffee shop that actually only used biodegradable process, uh, products. We actually, all of the plastic that we had was actually corn resin. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't have to worry about somebody throwing it out. Mm -hmm. So a piece of plastic takes anywhere from 500 to 1,000 years to decompose. Mm -hmm. And it's one third of our landfills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a, a hemp plastic bottle takes 90 days to biodegrade. Yeah. So I, I was really passionate about these. So I always took that opportunity when I was in a meeting to say, well, hey, you know, if we could get funding for that hemp department, yeah. you know, we could be really changing the world and curing a worldwide crisis. And mm -hmm. finally, I remember saying, like, Mississippi, yes, that's how we do it. <laughs> one, of, one of our listeners on social media posted a question for you. And she said, and I think she's correcting me, and thank you so much for that. USM has a great uh, polymer science department, which is hemp plastics. Alcorn State and Mississippi State have great ag departments. There's a potential for advancement in hemp textiles, uh, hemp creep in construction, et cetera. Do you support engaging the academic sector to further research into hemp products? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, hemp is the future. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I've lectured on it many, many times. Uh, I was in a meeting with actually hemp leaders throughout the, the nation the other day, uh, and we were discussing hemp creep and storm shelters because I was like, hey, look, I really need to know if we can get a, you know, on this. You know, we've got a lot of people in Mississippi who are going through storms. I went through a tornado not so long ago with my daughter, and she's still affected by that to right. this day. Mm -hmm. um, so I really feel like with chemistry and natural home building, which I've been studying natural home building for 15 yeah. years. Um, you, know, you heard me talk about earth yep. shifts and all that. <laughs> um, so I'm really trying to focus on how we can take this point that is, you know, fairly easy to grow and maintain and affordable farmers to get involved with. Mm -hmm. Take that and then provide some of the things that we need across the state. Storm shelters are one of the big things. Because we can always rebuild, but we can't replace a lot. You and I, there's a, for some people, I don't know if they have they have a moral or ethical problem with hemp. They associate it with marijuana, blah, 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 blah. How do we get past that? How do we get those people past that process to understanding that um, there's, there's a, a there's a true benefit to this economically and get them to stop focusing so much on what they think is detrimental aspects of him. It comes back to education mm -hmm. and removing the stigmas, um, which, which is, is what I walked into the temple now and everybody's like, that's our cannabis girl. But going in there and being willing to come out, out of the cannabis law closet, if you will, and yeah. say, hey, hey, look at me, it's saved my life, and all the strong judgments that you have on me, when you sit down and have a conversation, it will be, you know, a great conversation. It's going to be educated, but, you know, I'm going to be respectful and kind, and I'm going to be trying to, you know, you know, you know, my medicine people are all this. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
they could grow it safely. You know, just thinking about those things and looking at your situation, we, we have to get it get it done. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's been amazing to be part of that process. But, you know, there's never been a perfect bill in human history. Yeah. There's never going to be one. Gonna be. <laughs> there's no. never going to be one. Um, so that's where it comes from never giving up. You know, because yeah. when I've done everything, just tell them we start the way of 74 and going down to Jackson, I spent one night and I can tell you trying to make this move the needle forward. Um, but, but I talk, 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 talk. never going to get it. Never going to happen. You might as well give up now. You're just a girl. They're not going to listen to you. You're just some stoner. Uh -huh. And I just watch. Yeah. I don't have to argue. You just watch. So tell us, what 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 did you what were you up to before you uh, really got into this? Before you started pursuing the initiative, I was actually helping open CBD and hip stores uh, throughout the state of Mississippi. Um, I didn't actually, actually come out of the cannabis closet until I got back into Mississippi and became public. I was actually a liaison. Explain, explain what's coming out of the cannabis closet because I heard you say it a couple times. <laughs> so, um, just like uh, a, lot a lot of people that worry about sickness and gender yeah. and, and mistreatment from other people, mm -hmm. I have a lot of pieces about ourselves. If we, yeah. don't, we don't feel like we're in a safe enough environment to be exposed. Um, and of course, being in Mississippi, where I live going out west, I was worried about being targeted. Mm -hmm. I was worried about what people would think. Mm -hmm. uh, would I be able to get better jobs? And of course, I was already limited on jobs from using yeah. this medicine. Um, insurance doesn't cover it. So you're just trying to have a lot of I mean, you know, all these things to do with my medicine. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very secretive. Um, I didn't want to be judged. judged. I got to work as a liaison to the city of Portland, um, you know, talking about regulation compliance, working with my, my customers, making sure they, they understood how to do these processes, et cetera. Uh, and I didn't want to be judged. You know, I'm here, I'm like, we're going to see the city. Like, like, wow, this is huge. Uh, and even though I was in a safe environment, I still feel safe. Um, I got really sick when I went home. When I quit, I quit using abruptly, I moved home in 20 days, and I had internal bleeding. I had mm -hmm. internal sign, and they couldn't figure out why. And the doctors just stopped calling me back. I'm trying to imagine being afraid to ask for help. Being afraid to say, I need this medication because it's going to save my life. You know, and that, I can't conceptualize it in my head. You know. I couldn't wrap around it either, and that's why I started fighting so hard. Like, you know what? I might be targeted. I might be attacked, but this is what needs to happen, and I just never gave up. And, and it was never an easy process. It was very difficult. Um, the first time I agreed to do a speech, I didn't even have the gas money to go do that speech. Where was, was the speech? Like, <laughs> exactly at the Capitol. Uh -huh. tell, tell, tell us about that experience and, and, and how that how you received the speech and everything. Uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. It actually was. There were about 300 of us that showed up within two weeks of the Supreme Court throwing it out, and we showed up on the steps and did a big rally. And um, I was so nervous because actually uh, I had a fear of public speaking. So my palms were sweating. I could have. You have a fear of public speaking. I can't tell. I can't tell right now. I was terrified. But when something is so important, that's where God comes in and makes sure that you know the right words to say. And I had a lot of great people along the way inspire me. Um, but, but yeah, yeah we, we not, not only did we get up there and we spoke, okay. and I told about my patient story and why it was so important that we offer this to people here and bringing our citizens home and creating opportunities for them to feel safe to be here. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was great. And then we all, you know, took out and walked around all over the governor's mansion and back around. And uh, I knew right then that I was never going to stop talking to those people. And right. I never have. Yeah, that is beautiful. That is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Now, let me, we got another question for you. <laughs> Oh, and this is a good one. Natural disasters and the Jackson water crisis have contributed to the plastic waste problem in our state. We talked about plastic a little bit earlier. Your background in recycling and composting 
Do you believe we could implement similar programs in Mississippi? Why is that important? Absolutely. I love doing what I did out west. So, so yeah, yeah, you, you have, have these roll carts that you can use for composting and recycling. We also, we also had little glass bins for glass recycling, mm -hmm. and then you had garbage waste. Uh, uh, and, and it was amazing the way that, the way that they that. did that. But, but it, also it also made me realize he can continue manufacturing petroleum plastics on such a wide scale. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, there's, there's the garbage, garbage vortex, which is trash is out Texas, floating out out in the Pacific Ocean. It's trash. It's just trash. And we have we have to not only get rid of that. But we're still, we're still continuing to manufacture these same things. And again, plastic is kind of made all the way which we always hear about. But now we know that hemp sustainable is a great cash crop. We can make some of these same materials and help alleviate a lot of the trash that we're putting in. We've got to get rid of what we've already made. And we've got to figure out a way to make something different so that it doesn't impact that next generation. Why don't we have widespread recycling? And I was like, I've lived in Maryland, I've lived in D.C., Virginia. And recycling seems to be a thing that people are using to protect the environment. Well, honestly, I think there are most communities in Mississippi rural. Again, like I grew up 30 minutes one way from town. Or the nearest gas station to be specific. That's 30 minute drive. It's a lot of fuel. You know, my gas prices were last year. People were just determining for the put gas in their car on the table last year. In 2022 in Mississippi.that.anyway.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.yeah.
can understand and feel what they're going through. You know, and I think for too long, we haven't had that, you know, and that's part, part, partly because of our, our process, our democratic uh, process has evolved into something where it costs a million dollars to be competitive. Exactly. And the everyday voter, the everyday Mississippian can't afford that, so they're priced out of the, of the process. And so we have ladies like you to say, you know what, I'm in it to win it. So I'm, I'm, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's, it's very difficult to run for office, and it's very expensive, and people just don't feel like they have the opportunity because how am I ever, I, I thought the same thing, like how am I ever going to be able to afford to do this? And it was like, you know what, I'm going to work as hard as I can within my means. And then, you know, opportunities and pathways, the longer I work hard, they will present themselves. And they have. I mean, I designed my own website, did my own graphic design. I mean, I've done it all. Uh, because no matter what, the most important thing, and I think my opponents would agree with me, the most important thing is Mississippians. Mm. We've got to be able to provide food for ourselves and we've got to take care of each other. Let me tell you something. Your, uh, your uh, appearance on the show today has broken one of our records. We've got really? the most uh, social media questions. Oh. Uh, since we've been on, and I want to read well, this. Thank you. It's, a good, uh, it's a good question. One of our um, our listeners is saying more than fifty percent of America's top topsoil has eroded away. In areas of the southeast, the country's original bread basket it's almost all gone. What will you do to fix this problem? Actually, hemp's a great thing for that. <laughs> hemp's so great to regenerate which is a case in point. This is why it's so important to have an ag commissioner who is so for these products because hemp has actually been shown to regenerate the soil. Um, and it's actually, they've even used it um, to, you know, um, to help get radiation out of the soil. Uh, and again, oyster mushrooms do the same thing. Uh, and it's great for erosion. And um, it's, it's definitely going to be the key to securing topsoil throughout the world, not just here. Uh, it is a worldwide crisis that we're facing with topsoil conditions. And uh, I'm really excited to see what that can do. And again, that's why it's projected to be such a profitable industry in 2030, mm -hmm. because science is proving mm -hmm. that's what we need to be using. I mean, even Henry Ford back in the day built a car. You know, help. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's been our tradition. But again, being tied so closely to cannabis, which with reaper madness and prohibition in the 1930s, mm -hmm. it was lumped into that. Well, we know hemp is so much more. Do you mm -hmm. know in Jamestown it was illegal to not grow hemp? Really? And have you ever heard of hemp for victory in the war? Mm -hmm. Growing hemp for the war movement in the early 1900s? Mm -hmm. Yes. It was part of our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And we lost it with prohibition and the drug mm -hmm. war. And it's just, we're saying now in the age of the internet and in the age of knowledge, we will accept no less than perfection for our future. And it's an opportunity for Mississippi to leave. Oh yeah. And we're gonna, okay. I'm so excited about it. Mississippi <laughs> is, is ready to leave. Look, we're getting ready to wrap up. Thank you so much, Bethany, for coming on the show. This has been an exciting conversation, very informative. Thank you for the peaches and plums. Oh, these are going to be so good. Oh, they were great. And actually, uh, we stopped and had lunch at a Countryside, what was it, Countryside uh, Fruit Stand? Uh, or Country Time Fruit Stand. Uh, and we had lunch there and had barbecue sandwiches. They had this amazing setup. I'm going to post some pictures about it later. And we had so much fun getting to know them, so we wanted to bring you some treats. So those are actually grown from Mississippi farms. Well, I thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you, Bethany. Please let our listeners know where they can go to learn more about your candidacy and how 
they can support your campaign? Yeah, so um, of course, go to my website, BethanyForAg.com. Uh, all of my contact information is also on my Facebook page, Twitter, um, Instagram, TikTok, uh, pretty much Bethany for Ag uh, on all of that. Uh, and you can get access to even my personal cell phone number. So you can call me directly if you have questions, send a text. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be available and I want to hear about what everybody wants out of their Ag Commissioner. Yeah. Oh, last question. Mm-hmm. What has been the most surprising or interesting thing for you on the campaign trail? Because you've been all over the place. Oh, my gosh. And I love it. I love it so much. Uh, anybody who's ever met me, you know that I've never met a stranger. And, uh-huh. I mean, I'm giving hugs and love. And um, I'm, I'm never shocked at how brilliant everybody is. Yeah. I'm just surrounded by brilliant minds, compassionate uh-huh. hearts. And, man, just movers and shakers and trendsetters and the people that are really shaping this world. And it's, I'm so blessed. There's nothing less than saying I'm just so blessed. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Bethany Hill. She's running for Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. Go check her out. Kick the tires. Check out her, <laughs> her, her positions on policy points on agriculture and figure out if you're going to vote for her. Go vote for her or not. My name is Ty Pinkers, and I'm running for United States Senate in 2024. I'm going to talk to you now about a couple of issues, not a couple of issues, a couple of events that we have coming up this weekend. We will be in Hollandale, Mississippi. We will be in potentially Yazoo County, Mississippi. We will be in Myersville, Mississippi. And of course, we will be right here in Hines County again also. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, we will have on the show a young lady named Diamond White who is running to be a state representative. My name is Ty Pinkins, and I'm running for United States Senate in 2024. Please visit my website at www.typinkins.com to volunteer, donate, and help move our grassroots people-focused campaign forward. You can also find me on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram at the handle at Ty Pinkins. So join us again next Wednesday right here for another episode of You Talk, I Listen, We Do. Peace out.